Welcome to the B2B Category Creators Podcast, hosted by Gil Alouche, founder and CEO of Metadata.io. This podcast is all about sharing the real and sometimes uncomfortable secrets of category creation in the B2B software space. On this week's episode, we have Jack Mardak, co-founder of Oyster HR, and Mariano Suarez-Baton, CEO of Mural. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to a special episode of Category Creation Podcasts by Metadata. Uh, today, I'm your host, your guest host, Olivia LeBay, uh, president here at Metadata. We have two outstanding guests today um, that I would like to introduce. Uh, first, we'll start with Jack, who's the CEO of Oyster. No, I'm the, the co-founder. Co-founder, I'm sorry. Yes. First off, we'll start with Jack, who is the co-founder of Oyster HR. And then we also have Mariano, um, who is the CEO of Mural. Uh, let's start with Jack. Jack, please introduce yourself and share a little bit, something that we might not know already about you. Thank you, Olivier. Thank you again. It's a real pleasure to be here and uh, excited to have a great conversation with you and Mariano. So I'm Jack Mardak. I am the co-founder of Oyster. And Oyster is on a mission to create a more equal world by making it possible for companies everywhere to hire people anywhere. And so we are a global HR platform that makes it easy to hire and pay and give a great equal employment experience to a cross-border uh, workforce. And uh, something about me that you might not know, well, uh, I was a banker in New York before I moved to the Bay Area and became an accidental marketer. And uh, I can explain more what I mean by that later, if you like. Okay, that sounds good. I was also a, a banker as a first career. And uh, as soon as I knew how that worked, I uh, decided to get out. <laughs> Best decision I made. Uh, Mariano, you also have a nickname. Uh, what, what do you prefer we, we call you? Whatever you like, Mariano, but actually that's that I can start with that, like a bat as a nickname or bat melon, it's a combination of things, but it was a, my last name is Suarez Batan and Batan is B-A-T-T-A-N. Um, back in the late 80s, early 90s, for the young of you, like airplanes were bought via the phone or at a store, but this was via phone, not, nothing online. And they misspelled my last name, B-A-T-M-A-N. So I had an airplane ticket that said Batman. So I thought that was funny and kind of used that for ICQ. And then I, I, I thought it was a little lame to self-proclaim Batman. So I just shrunk it to Bat. So that's a why, why Bat. And Three Melons was our game studio that we sold to Disney a decade ago. So Bat Melon, that's my Twitter handle. That's the origin story. And what I do besides uh, superhero stuff is I run a company called Mural and um, at its core, I mean, the, the, the category that people slapped us on is visual collaboration or online whiteboards. Uh, and the reality is like the magic that happens in the sessions that we support around strategy, innovation, team building, customer engagements, is probably something more than just an online whiteboard, but we need to find our words for it. Okay, and you guys are actively working on that, right? Possibly. <laughs> I 
Okay. Um, let's start with Jack. So uh, when you, you started, Oyster is, uh, is a fairly new company, right? You, know, you guys have been around for a couple of years, is that right? Yes, we, we started down this journey in the middle, late half of 2019, right before the pandemic. Okay. And when you started the company and you, you guys came up uh, with your, your value prop, did you think that you would have to uh, either build a new category or recast an existing category? What were your thoughts on that when you guys? Yeah. So we, we did, yes, uh, imagine that this was going to be uh, an, an, a case of category creation. But I would say that, uh, and this shouldn't surprise anyone, the, the pandemic the events of the last 20 months have dramatically transformed our perspective of the, of the category creation uh, opportunity. So um, I would say that we have thought differently as a result of the pandemic, of the outcomes that we really want to enable for our customers which goes a little bit farther than say, just providing the mechanics of hire and pay. I think we have a bigger picture in mind and the pandemic has been influential in showing us uh, that, uh, that bigger picture. And by bigger picture, I mean the many things that a company that is trying to be a successful globally distributed company uh, needs. Uh, and so the, the pandemic was influential in, in that regard and that impacted what our scope of functionality uh, should include as we have thought, or well, what are the things that, that, uh, that the, the, the category leader should have uh, in light of, the, of everything that the, the pandemic has, has taught us. Uh, and last but not least, the, before the pandemic, we, we imagined that the storytelling would involve still having to convince some people that there would be much more remote cross-border hiring in the future, this was only writing on the wall before the pandemic. And so the, the pandemic has obviously transformed the storytelling uh, environment dramatically for us uh, as well. Uh, but the, the short answer is yes, we, we definitely did imagine a category creation effort, even as it has, it has, it has been uh, dramatically transformed by the events of the last 20 years. And, and what is the name of this category? So let's call it Global HR. Okay. Yes. Okay, cool. All right, we're going to dive more into that in a minute. Uh, Bat, uh, when how long have you guys been working on, on Miro? I think it's been a while, right? Ten years. It's it's a lot. And so when you started, I'm sure things have uh, shifted over the years. But you know, when you started, um, you know, did you think you were going to be creating a brand new category? And if so, what did you think it was going to be called? And how has that evolved over the last decade? It was funny because when we launched Mural and we did some PR, uh, if you pay attention, they said something like, okay, well, I'm talking with a fellow former Prezi here. So and some, some, some said Pinterest from pro, for pros, or if Prezi and Evernote had a baby, those were titles from the press way back when. So given that, probably yes, we were, I mean, we're not, really knowing what we're doing. We, we knew that there was something around the, the, the malleable UI that we're building. Again, yeah, looks, the, the ana, analog is a whiteboard, but it was a little more than that. Um, so yeah, when we, when we the, the beginning, the beginning, beginning we, we didn't know that ultimately we were gonna be helping large companies deploy best practices on how people work on innovation, right? So, um, 
I guess uh, because of the evidence that I can give you, yes, we, we created something new, adjacent, but new. Yeah. And so what, what are the names of the, because it seems like your product could be in multiple categories. What, what um, are the analyst firms, uh, do they have uh, reports on your, uh, your category? So, so yeah, and, and they vary in name. I mean, in, in your former G2, I think it's we have a combination of mind mapping, ideation, visual collaboration. We, we actually are listed in plenty. Uh, and then there's the guys from Constellation, I think they call us digital something canvas. So it is fuzzy. Yeah. Is there one that you like specifically? Um, I don't know, because we, we talk a lot about imagination. We talk about a lot, a lot of play, innovation. So I don't think that none of them, so they're very literal in some regards, which yeah, of course people need that level of boxing. That's why it's called a category. Um, that being said, uh, probably nothing that feels just right just now. Just now, yeah, it's still early days. Um, how about you, Jack? Um, in terms of um, analysts, because oftentimes you know it, it starts uh, there. Curious, you know, what is your strategy to um, educate the analysts? So I, I think that uh, we enjoy a, a collaborative relationship with multiple analysts, where the big picture is. I think we're part, we're we're participating in co-creation of the category with them. I think more, this is, this is, I think, fundamentally a new category. Everyone has agreed that, that it's, it's less of a, a, an adaptation of an existing category and more a, a legitimate new category that is being created. Our, our conversations with uh, multiple analysts confirm that. And so one aspect of that is what are we calling it? And so there it's not choosing from uh, a, 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 a list of possibilities from a legacy world. But really thinking about some of the some of the possibilities that we've made our way through is uh, distributed um, employment enablement, uh, distributed HR platform, remote HR platform. I think global HR uh, is succinct and builds on the root legacy concept of an HRIS. Let's say I, I would describe it that way. That is that has probably been the most useful way that we've seen both in conversations with analysts and with customers of getting them to grok the, the value proposition, saying something like it's gusto, but for the globe, where they have a conception of what we call a mono country HRIS. And so it, it gets them a lot of the way to understanding our value proposition to describe it to them from the point of reference of something that they that they already understand. So we we also um, we also work with um, some analysts in a in a bi-directional way where we recognize that they have the ear of the customer and are are a great go-to source for uh, everything from strategy to soundboarding them on names of of products in the category. For example, we we enjoy a a formal relationship with 451 Research, and we collaborated with them back in July on some original insight generation around remote work and particularly around the future of HR. We generated a future of HR report together with them. And so to, to give you a sense, I think it's a very, it's a very continuous and tight 
a conversation with a few analyst firms for us where it's it's bi-directional. We wanna we wanna learn, we wanna, we wanna glean their perspective on the market, the things that that they understand from their long tenured study of a particular SaaS area and for their um, having the ear of a, of a particular class of customers. And so we, we see that as an opportunity to learn via the analysts as well as to, to share in the, in the creation of the category with them as well. So when did you start, like how quickly did you start after you, you started a company, did you start engaging with analysts and how many analyst firms are you engaged with? Very, very early. And so I would say that in the, in the history, we've, we've probably spoken to about a half dozen okay. uh, different, different firms. And I would say uh, uh, quite early, um, like May of 2020 early, we announced, uh, we announced our seed round in April of 2020 and went into uh, a beta phase and uh, commenced working and uh, commenced uh, analyst outreach right in the May timeframe. And particularly we were interested in, in perceptions of, of the category, perceptions of the competitive space, et cetera. So we, we got into those kind of conversations fairly quickly and early. Okay, great. Uh, Mariano, how about you? How, uh, how quickly did you start? Because I know you guys worked on your product for a very long time in like stealth mode, right? You, you guys weren't very... Uh, you weren't promoting your product. Not at all. No, we, we, we opened up. Uh, I mean, yeah, we, we, we took a very too, too lean approach, maybe. But no, I mean, it's September 2012. That's where we, we, we opened up. I mean, you know, joking about Silicon Valley, the show, but actually, we, we did have like a little booth in TechCrunch Disrupt in, in September 10th, 2012. Um, and, and yeah, we, 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 we talked about ideas and ideation and collaboration uh, way back when, but we didn't call it anything in particular. We were like, the thing with categories is that they're important, they're line item in, in budgets, but uh, the end user doesn't give a shit, right? Uh, or not much. It's, it's more like what the problem, they're, 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 they can get solved. And so our, the, the mo most of the time that we have been spending on is like trying to match this persona and use case uh, connection more than what do analysts say about us. Uh, of course, analysts now again accelerated through the pandemic, same with with Oyster, different reasons. Uh, our our company grew uh, eight times in size in a year and a half or something. So right now it is more like a pull from the CIO office in a lot of buys. So then now, now it's our time to, to, to think about uh, an analysts and, and, and the CIO and the category. But early on, you know, we, we were very open and, and tried to iterate along the way. And we iterated like in two main ways. One was like the first version of Miro was very peer-to-peer -peer based, flat collaboration, let's call it. And we realized at some point that uh, we need to support also facilitated workshops in a way what Mural is being used for teams to collaborate on lean design and agile related ways of working. But uh, a lot of times people were being pulled into and taught this way of working, right? So we need the role of the teacher, the facilitator with a little more hierarchy in, in the product. And the other change that we did, and all of this, like, again, from learning from the market and, and iterating over there is like, 
our enterprise readiness, right? We were very lucky to have helped IBM early on in their cultural transformation. That's a case study in HBS now uh, around how they deployed design thinking at scale in their company. Uh, so again, we, we were pulled very early with very little funding uh, to be enterprise class, right? So, but no, we, we were always pretty open about how we built and how we iterate. And now how many analyst firms do you guys engage with? Um, and do you, do you have like an analyst team, like an analyst program um, that you guys are, are running at this point? Yes. Uh, and, uh, and we're also hiring, I think, for a, a director or something of corporate marketing. So hello, if you're there, I want to. We're hiring. Uh, so analysts, plenty, some as, as customers also, because they use Mural as a, as a way to workshop with their own clients. Um, but yeah, we've done many things with many. Uh, we did a total economic impact report with, with Forrester in 2018, very early, uh, around the impact of Mural inside IBM. Um, and we've done, I mean, Dion Hinchcliffe now in, in Constellation has been speaking early on to the CEOs about this digital work canvas category uh, for a while. Um, so Forrester, the interesting thing that they did is like, it's, it's not just about the technology side, but they're also like very much interested in, yes, software for customer journey mapping and collaboration, but they also um, did a lot of work on, on, on methodologies, right? So the impact of methodologies inside companies, because in a way we help deploy methodologies for collaboration, for innovation inside, inside companies. Um, yeah, 451 did research, Gardner, where there, there's no magic quadrant in whatever we do, so to be, to be TBD. Um, who else? We won a hot vendor and a cool vendor award at the same time. One is, I think, Gardner's, and the other one is Aragorn, I think it is, or yeah. Uh, so yeah, in, in, we, we were there, we tried to reason, we tried to explain the, the ones that get in the most are the ones that come from the approach of methodologies, not so much from technology side. Okay. Now, I have a, a question that I always find pretty interesting is, do you think you can, uh, you know, a company can decide the name of a category? I'll start with Jack on this one. Um, I've heard a lot of, of thoughts about this and curious, you know, because it doesn't seem like both of your categories are defined. Um, and at metadata, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be building a new category. Um, as well, but we're essentially a vendor of one right now. So Jack, do you think that uh, you can uh, be the one behind the name of the category? Does it have to come from your customer or does it have to come from the analyst? Curious to hear your thoughts there. Yeah, well, I, I think that we, we would certainly welcome the opportunity to have an influence there. And I think that is the, that is the, the perspective that we have and that's the role, that's the way that we're, we've come at working with analysts so far with and other consultants that we've brought into the question what should we what should we call the, the category but I would say and I would I would also love to hear Mariano's perspective as well but I would say what define the utility of the name of the category for me because part of part of knowing how much to invest in this effort is is is, is having a clear picture as to what is the utility that we ultimately derive from and I guess if we're if we're old school, 
B2B with magic quadrants and stuff. And yes, we need to crystallize this so that the usual machinery of explaining uh, this, this stuff to customers by way uh, of, of analysts or with the involvement of analysts can be done here. But do you, so I'm, I'm asking as a, as a marketer, does that still feel like a very important thing that needs to be solved for the name? And then if so, what utility do you foresee from having a, a crystallized name? If I, if I can turn it around back to you, because I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. So one of our investors and advisors is uh, Ryan Smith. And, and, and yeah, in a way, they, they, they took a lot of value uh, from naming it, calling it, explaining it, and also in a way preemptively going at it versus letting it sit out there. So I understand there's, there is, of course, um, value in that and uh, on one end. And on the other end, it's like, as I said, like, you know, it's a complex market out there, right? So people need to like, need simplifications. So- uh, Yeah, well, I, I would separate the exercise of the of category labeling from the, the very important uh, exercise of communicating and explaining that of course marketing understands that it has to do anyway, but which may not, not at all touch on the category name as, as happens in other cases where the category name is an artifact that doesn't live in the mind of the customer. And so may, maybe that's the case here, maybe not. I don't know yet, I'm just curious how you guys think about it. Well, we, 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 we believe it's super important and, and we're starting to do something about it, right? Like, as I said, we got to a point in the market where um, where people are, are, it's not early adopters anymore that kind of get it and don't care. We're, we're getting to a point where it's an established category and um, I started, I mean, a, a problem that people are aware they have, more than the category, and um, so it's going, the market is going from, oh, I mean, do we really have this problem to, oh, shit, we have this problem, it's, it's acknowledged, everybody has it, how do we solve it, right? So given that situation, uh, probably like getting, our approach that we'll, we'll, we'll be making a stance on, on, on how we are different. So that again, people can simplify their choice making and walk into the supermarket aisle that it's, the right one for them given the needs because sometimes yeah they're not I mean whoever that person is inside a large company is not buying what we're offering and, and simply <laughs> simplifies everything for them and for us right so in when people don't know they have a problem uh it's hard for them to find you right and so um there's two two uh, sides where I'm going to go here but the first one is you know what is your strategy uh, from a content creation standpoint to ensure that you do show up in SEO when people are typing things around the issue that they might have. So curious to, to hear, I'll go first with Jack, you know, what are you guys doing from a, a content creation standpoint to ensure right. that people find you? So the, the, the agency that we want to have on our customers is ultimately to be multi influential in a multidimensional way on their success. Uh, providing them with the mechanics of, of hiring their people around the world and giving those people great benefits is a part of that. Uh, providing them with the, the insights and with the storytelling 
and with the sharing of opinions from uh, other folks in the people function, we also expect to be influential of our customers that way. And so our content is, is all about uh, ultimately success as a globally distributed company. And one, one advantage that we have is that, that there is so much surface area uh, underneath that, as there are so many things to think about from uh, considerations about where to hire and the interestingness of particular uh, talent markets, all the way to uh, interview techniques, to some of the learnings that we're bringing out from our own innovative uh, people team, particularly around the remote operations functions, how we're, so we have a, we have a healthy building and public aspect to our content. And so we, we have the advantage that we're, we're talking to the, the, the HR function uh, at, this, at this time of, of critical and important historical transformation. And so, and, and have the opportunity to talk to them at, at many levels. Uh, and so our content strategy re reflects that. And uh, I would encourage you to take a look at our library at oysterhr slash library. So you can see uh, some, of the, some of the diversity that we, that we have uh, in that space. Mariano, what, uh, what have you guys done on, on the content side to ensure that um, you guys show up high on, on the SEO? And, and how many vendors are, are similar to you guys in your space? Well, um, so, so multiple things. So how many vendors are, are similar? Uh, if, if, you, if you want a collaboration is the meta category if there's if there's something that so you could actually exchange ideas come up with insights and i don't know align as a company or whatever in many different ways right so um people have been innovating and collaborating and the world has been moving forward forever i mean it's it's not that um without mural people cannot do certain things but we do it in a way that uh, it's definitely different and better. But uh, so in, in the world of collaboration, of course, you have the, the big guys, right? So Microsoft Google, um, well, now Zoom announced something, Adobe announced something uh, around the, the online whiteboard space, the visual collaboration space. So, I mean, putting boxes, arrows, and, 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 and sketches on a Live Canvas, it's something that, again, we invented 10 years ago. Hey, finally, they, they, they have something of their own, right? But that's when, when you start poking around, what people are doing, there's not really drawing pictures of cats that appear in multiple screens. And by the way, Prezi also had a solution for that way back when. Um, it's, it's about the, the, the little details in there, right? How do you how this, again, this facilitation superpower tooling so that the meeting is run more effectively or the templates gallery that is attached to your methodologies similar to how Oyster proposes some methodologies for hiring onboarding and so forth global talent similar for us on how you collaborate on certain use cases so what I'm seeing right now is like there's a, there's gonna be specialization on the, at the team and use case level Right, so like some people will will want to use the the, the whiteboard that comes with Microsoft because I don't know 
all of us lawyers use that thing. Uh, but when it comes to another workflow around strategic planning or executive alignment or whatever, where you need something else, that's where mural might come more handy, right? So we're, we're going through some, some so on so attaching the two concepts. So we've been doing a lot of content around use cases and templates because of the horizontal nature of our product. It makes it super complex for some people to, to match make that in their heads. So in a way, something that is weird about our, our software is that given the horizontality, like the amount of use cases is so big that you could argue that there's infinite amount of use cases, thus infinite amount of categories that we belong to. And so I think that something's gonna happen in the next few years in our space is that there's gonna be, again, specialization and, and okay, visual coloration for XYZ, right? And, 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 or, or the other way around. XYZ with visual collaboration, right? So we'll see how that goes. So a lot, a lot, a lot of inspiring people use cases showing what others have done. Because in a way, as people in our, in our space, we are reinventing the wheel all the time, right? I don't know how many of your meetings go exactly the same over and over, or of course there needs to be improvements, but people are craving not just anymore after the pandemic on what kind of video they use, audio or video streaming you use, but actually how you design your week, how do you design your meetings, how do you design uh, the time, right? And designing time is something that the nice thing about being digital is that all of those templates around how you use time and the visual templates are all copyable right now because they're all digital. So uh, yeah, that, that has been our content strategy around inspiring and teaching others how they could design their meetings uh, which we for whichever purpose they have, right? We're even tweaking into board meetings right now and helping people run more productive board meetings that are not informative meetings, but actually, actually fun workshops where you get to tackle problems together with smart people. So we're gonna be in the category of board meetings soon, I don't know. Awesome, Mariano. It's great to hear you talk that way about the the tension across the different use cases. That that is very familiar, and I guess I, I don't envy the, the the problem anymore of having to necessarily focus and choose and crystallize on use cases when you know there are so many distractions. And perhaps the most interesting use case is not the most opportune from a business standpoint. That that can be very frustrating. No, yeah, I mean, we're, we're starting to get smarter about that, right? So the use case level, there's use cases that provide stickiness and retention, but not might not be as valuable. And some other use cases are super viral, so for distribution are interesting, but not as sticky, non-valuable. So yeah. again, you could argue that each of those, and, and of course, the different types of people for each of, the, of those use cases. So it is a complex beast that has allowed us to grow spectacularly and have millions of people in, in, engage with, with our, our solution, which it's fun because it makes it like a consumer type product. But I think that, yeah, there's other less complex business to run. <laughs> yes, I hear you. So Jack, uh, next question is for you. Um, and you, you guys are still early in your category creation, but do you think there'll be a moment when you'll feel that you've succeeded at creating a category? Is that when Gartner you know, is gonna have you on, on their, their quadrant? How do you know you'll have succeeded? Well, 
I, I would separate our success from seeing clear evidence that the category had been uh, established. And I think, uh, thankfully, the, the, the signals of the existence of the category and our success are rather linked. Uh, and so that, that's, that's you know, my you know, pithy way of saying, yeah, I look forward to seeing that the, the solution that we're um, bringing to the world, which is this, this how to be a successful globally distributed company with all of the complexity attendant to that has, uh, has, been, has been achieved by uh, thousands of, of companies. Um, many of them uh, I expect will be and hope will be our, our customers. And so I think there's a magnitude thing where we can very clearly see the um, using revenue in our category as a proxy, you can see that indeed the numbers of cross-border employments went from X in 2019 to Y, you know, in, in 2022. And as a result, the category that is enabling, and, and we won't be the only category that's enabling that outcome, right? There, there are other things that are being sold to globally distributed companies. We have our, our piece of that, right? With a, with a core on cross-border employment, uh, automated global payroll with compliance and benefits, you know, that's our core, right? But, uh, but I, I would say that the, the successful uh, uh, creation of the category would be, would be made evident by the, the numbers of, of employments that had been enabled by the underlying solution, which we, we hope will be in the millions uh, in, in the coming years of the 2020s. Mariana, what, uh, when do you think you'll feel you're, you'll have built the category? Well, the, the, the cool, cool kids uh, get the ticker symbol, right? <laughs> <laughs> the cool kid, yes. That's, that's one signal for sure, right? Um, so, it's less about other things. It's it's like when it's not just a CIO's line, but line item. Like if, if we're a CIO line item, fine. But I want to be, given what we do, a CEO line item, right? So, um yeah that, that 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 that's what I care about because we're again I'm getting too old for bad meetings, shitty products and so forth. And I think that we can solve for both of those things. So oh, since uh, your categories are up and coming, as I mentioned, you know, how did review sites play into uh, your strategy uh, to get third-party validation in the early days? Um, Mariano, you can go first. Uh, I don't know. The okay. real, like, I mean, yeah, our, our attribution system is not that sophisticated to let you know, but the reality is like the, um, the thing, so we're very, very lucky to have IBM as a first customer, a big customer, because it was a prototypical customer in the sense that it was, it was early though, right? So we had to survive later adopters to follow. But those guys uh, took a very progressive approach, not just on the software buying side. They bought us with Box, 
GitHub and Slack in 2015, like just on a very, again, they had their own competitive products for all of these things, but they said we want best of breed, but also they bought them to support them in a way of working that, that cultural transformation that they went through. So when we did that and, and put it in, in that little report with Forrester, which cost me a shit ton of money in my marketing budget, oh, company budget terms back when we did in 18, um, I think that was like a very important thing. So it's not a review site, it's just like a, a review of the, of the case, right? When it comes to review sites, like, yeah, I mean, G, I mean, we have great success at, at, at G2, but I, I, I don't know exactly. Today, I, I need to bring in my CMO to, to tell me, but uh, we have, we, I mean, we bought all of the wonderful products they created in G2, but uh, I don't know if they're working or not. Okay. Jack, did you uh, try to get third-party validation via yeah, customers? This is, this is an active program uh, for us. And, and we did uh, recently work with, uh, I'll give a, a shout out to G2 as well, to create a presence uh, for Oyster there. But strategically, we understand that, that review sites have will, will continue to be an influence in the selection of B2B SaaS products. And so we can't opt out. I think we're, it's, a, it's really about a, a participation strategy and choosing the, the partners that we uh, invest in. And I think we've made an initial selection in, in G2. Uh, that seems to be working well. And, and another, another aspect of, of category creation that I think is, is relevant to review sites is we are telling a story of new outcomes and so we would like to see customers in the context of reviewing Oyster, but more generally in the context of customer storytelling of which say reviews can be thought of as a part. We would like to see that customers are talking about these new outcomes. And so I would say that that's the, that's the, the strategic lens through which we're, we're looking at, uh, at review sites holistically. Yeah, one, one thing on, I mean to, to add is like our software um... Is, is very easy to review in the sense like it's it's free and and now we, we just launched a free tier fully we, we had a free trial before so from the perspective of the end user I mean you can go ahead and start going and and and, and be, I mean do it yourself right it doesn't take much time it, it's not a type of suffering to feed with a lot of data so that you get the magic information later just the first hour you know if it's or 10 minutes or 90 seconds, right? Uh, I think that probably like, again, the value that we got from review sites, especially because we, we had a lot of enterprise uh, reviewers. So, so, so understanding or making the, the market understand that we were the enterprise ready kind, probably that part helped a lot because again, that's the part that's really hard to trial, right? Like uh, you don't know if this company as a good right. enterprise support system or their SOC 2 compliance is there or if the CEO shows up to talk to your C-level people and it's funny and cracks good jokes. That's super useful. I hadn't thought of that way of looking at who the reviewer is and what perspective they bring, which might be different from say the user or just the end user perspective which could be could be delighted but for totally different reasons than things like SOC 2 compliance which would delight a totally different persona 
Yeah, and in your case, you have, of course, the, the buyers from HR, but then people that are like receiving the money each month, right? So exactly. you also like a exactly. double-sided feedback loops. Exactly. All right, well, I got two uh, more questions and these are more on the personal notes. So we're, uh, we're gonna go to uh, learning about you guys as uh, entrepreneurs. So uh, my first question is, what is a hashtag fail moment in your career as an entrepreneur? And whoever wants to go first uh, can start. I'll, I'll start. I mean, on, entrepreneurship is, is a, a big space. And you know, even in, in, in instances where I wasn't a founder, I've had a, a very entrepreneurial orientation. And the, the, the genesis of that, to give you a fail moment, includes a variety of different experiences, which ultimately build you as a professional. Um, I happen to have been a banker right out of college. I, I dropped out of pre-med because my mom got sick and, and went into banking uh, and then became disenchanted with that and moved out to the Bay Area and got, uh, got very lucky. So I, I, uh, I started my, um, my, let's call it technology uh, a career uh, in at Alta Vista in the in the pre-bubble days, and so I got I got to watch. What are you seventy? That that, that that thank you, Jesus! I got to watch that that explosion, that fantastic event, you know, at, at close proximity, and um, you know uh, the Alta Vista story was fascinating. But generally, what happened is a lot of people got unemployed very quickly, and that everything that had existed around having those kinds of jobs disappeared for a few years, right? I mean, there was, there was no funding, there were no startups, right? And so a, a lot of people were, were underemployed that, that had been you know, doing really cool work like a few months before. So very humbling. And so I was one of those people. And during that time, I took a job at a, at a hotel as someone who worked behind the desk and greeted people every day and made people feel good and learn the value of empathy and everybody is important. And so it's not quite a fail moment. I guess the failure is that I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't appreciate the value of that experience ultimately on the long-term as it was happening. And so as it was happening, I was you know, upset and eager to you know, be doing a different kind of job. But upon reflection, it was, it was one of the most critical building blocks of, my, of myself, I think professionally. Well, I, I mean, my, my hospitality experience was in a work and travel thing that I did in, when I was in college. I, was, I did college in Argentina and I, and I went to do um, ski and, tra and work and I, and I had to fit boots in a ski shop. So that was, that was bad. But again, paid the bills and, and I was able to ski and snowboard actually for a bit. But again, hospitality is a good industry to learn from and and I have to deal with like complaints and, and things like that. So kudos for, for your job there. Gracias. So in my case, I mean, the, the biggest one is like, it's a, it's, a, it's a hidden failure that we have, which is we ran out of money in late 2017. So we failed as, as, a, as a company. Uh, no one would give us money. We were, we were gro not growing at Silicon Valley 3x, 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 killing, killing it and so forth. We were a humble 60% year-over-year company, but because of 
I know, Bessemer's index of the best of class or, or things like that. Uh, we couldn't get a dime for funding. And of course, people believe that IBM was an exception, not the rule. And, and most of our 4 million in ARR where 1.7 came from IBM and I needed to renew the, the, the deal and people were suspicious that I could do that, we could do that. Um, so yeah, we, we had to put our own money into the company. We bought back the company. Uh, we, we, I mean, I put in you know, seven figures uh, and, and we funded the company along the way and we used some debt and some re well, revenue actually. It's a thing, it's an interesting thing. Uh, to keep going and grow the company. And then of course, when the market started to pull and before the pandemic, people were, were embracing methodologies at scale and collaborating remotely even before the pandemic. And then of course the pandemic exploded. But the, the, the final story is that of course we did well and, and the company is performing really well right now, but we were 10 years into this thing and, and a lot of, yeah, I mean, early to the market, right? Like, and uh, similar in, in some regards to Prezi, right? That uh, had to, yeah, deal with 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 that thing. We 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 kind of like persevered uh, on the um, on the market, but that was not not a funny fun times. Uh, well, now there's some uh, some companies that can help companies that are struggling raising cash with like pipe.com and, and so on. Yeah, so we, we actually use a company called Element. They're called now called Elements, it's called ScaleWorks. And, and they helped us survive basically. They, they loaned us money. So instead of having the pipe as a platform, they just did it like a, as a debt instrument, they still do. Uh, so yeah, they, they loaned us money based on, on contracts, not on factoring. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, thank you for sharing those stories. I appreciate that. Um, all right, last story. Um, if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? It's two. So one is like, uh, hold on, it's going to be all right. Right? And the other one is do not waste time with people that are not working out. It's not that it's bad people, it's not that they're necessarily incompetent, but they, it's not working out, it won't work out. I mean, a second. Try once or twice, right? It's not that like the once, twice, it won't work out. Yeah, that second one is a is a good one for sure. Uh, I, I think um, I'd go farther back and talk to myself uh, in college when I was very close to some cool work that was happening at, at that time in computer science uh, that uh, I was sort of briefly fascinated and excited by, but but ultimately had to tear myself away from. And that's when I you know quit school and became a banker. And so I, I would have tried to find uh, a next path that was closer to engineering. I always regretted not being closer to the building, closer to the making. I think the, the most amazing thing that I've been witness to is the power of software at creating new powers in the world. Uh, and so I, I, it's, not a, it's not a profound regret because I, I feel very lucky for the proximity that I've had. But I, if I could have convinced myself to stay closer to the, to the engineering and, and been a, more of a builder, 
I might have taken and preferred that route. All right. Uh, well, thank you so much uh, for tuning in today. Um, thank you for your time, Jack. Thank you, Mariano. Really appreciate everything you guys have shared uh, with us today. Um, that's a wrap. Thanks again for joining us. I hope that you enjoyed today's discussion and will tune in again. Find all of the B2B Category Creators episodes at metadata.io. And if you have any feedback, topics, or would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out. 